Paramedic Insight podcast from the College of Paramedics. Data analysis and important topics from around the world of paramedic practice from the College of Paramedics. Hello and welcome to another edition of the College of Paramedics Paramedic Insight podcast. Uh, we're here today to have a chat about uh, new models of working for paramedic practice and in ambulance trusts and I'm delighted to be talking to Andy Swinburne who is the Associate Director of Paramedicine for the Welsh Ambulance Trust a long-time member, supporter and activist with the College of Paramedics. Um, Andy, great to have you on board. Um, tell us a bit about yourself, if you don't mind. Uh, it's great to be here, Gary, uh, and thank you for the invite. Uh, yeah, so as you said, my name's Andy Swinburne. I'm currently the Associate Director of Paramedicine in uh, in the Welsh Ambulance Service. I've been a paramedic since 1994. Uh, the Welsh Ambulance Service is my third ambulance trust. I've done a variety of roles in the Northwest Ambulance Service, the East Midlands Ambulance Service, and then, as I said, my current position in Wales. So, uh, no, it's exciting times, uh, and uh, I'm liking what I'm doing at the moment over in Wales. Now, I, I read um, fairly recently that you, you uh, said quite clearly that ambulance services need to change, need to some fairly radical changes, I think, about the way we work in order to meet the, the demands of healthcare uh, as we uh, go forward this century. Well, Tell us a bit more about that. What, what, what sort of things did you have in mind? Uh, well, I, I suppose it's it's a, a kind of a tale that I think all ambulance services are seeing at the moment where you look at uh, an increasing level of demand. Uh, that demand grows exponentially year upon year upon year. Uh, and you see that replicated right across the whole of the health economy where uh, there's increasing pressure in, in all aspects, be it primary care or secondary care. Uh, and uh, uh, what I find is I think the ambulance service kind of gets uh, the piggy in the middle role here where it, it uh, essentially is being asked to respond uh, to patients in a, in a timely manner uh, but simply never being able to have the, uh, the number of resources uh, to con- responding in the same way as we in the past have always done and what I mean by that is is uh, a lot of uh, incidents that are now coming through to through the 999 system are uh, aren't necessarily life-threatening emergencies but they are serious enough to warrant attention and serious enough to to warrant a face-to-face assessment uh, uh, but not necessarily a conveyance to the emergency department and we need to start shaping our how our ambulance services respond so as that we are better equipped and better skilled to manage more and more people in the community and away from the front doors of secondary care uh, because otherwise uh, so we'll simply never be able to keep with that growing exponential rise of year upon year. There's multiple factors behind that rise in demand, isn't there? Uh, what do you think are the, the, the main drivers of why we just keep getting busier and busier? What, what types of cases? Uh, is there a range or is there uh, one or two specific areas of, of care where uh, we're getting the demand? What, how, how's it happening? Uh, so I think anybody that's worked in the ambulance service for for any uh, even a short length of time really will will see the the nature of the, the calls we see now are less about the uh, life threatening uh, emergencies but more of the serious kind of multiple comorbidities 
the uh, long-term conditions and the aging and, and ever frail population uh, that we we now see uh, and that as i say is going to grow year upon year we you know, the, the public health gurus will will uh, give you plenty of evidence as to where the baby boomer generation fits in and and the impact that's going to have in terms of changing the the uh, uh, the demographics of the population uh, across the uh, the Western world, really, not necessarily just in the UK. And as those, you know, the tribute to the success of the NHS is that those those people are getting older uh, and they are living longer, uh, and they are living longer uh, with multiple illnesses. And so uh, they don't simply just present with one illness; they present with one presenting complaint with numerous illnesses associated with them. And the complexity of these patients is, is such that uh, managing them in the community becomes increasingly more difficult. Uh, and that's the challenge we have to face and, and recognise that simply just sending out uh, an ambulance with uh, two crew members and picking people up and taking them off to the front door of ED, whilst uh, ultimately very efficient for the ambulance service, uh, assuming there isn't any hospital handover delays, which are uh, another increasing issue. Uh, but even if without those there, that's simply... A problem that's going to uh, continue to be a real burden on the rest of the NHS uh, and essentially doesn't deliver what the patient needs most and that's the most appropriate care closer to home. Yeah thank you and um, I think uh, you know some of the learning I've um, gone through in the last couple of years is the realisation that actually particularly where people are, are frail and elderly and, and have some of those uh, multiple comorbidities they often do worse in hospital than, than if you keep them in the community. So, I mean, it is one of those rare circumstances for me where actually the, the best thing we can do for the health economy is also the best thing we can do for the patient. And, the, and so, therefore, the more and more we can, we can harness uh, uh, those two factors and, and, and put them at the forefront of what we need to change, uh, the better the outcomes will be for, for uh, you know, both aspects. That's cool. And of course, in, in Wales, you've got the added challenge of, of being a very rural community. People are uh, spread apart over far and wide, uh, some areas more difficult to access than others. Uh, I guess it kind of uh, adds to the heat of the challenge. Indeed, indeed. Uh, uh, you know, for some of our areas, such as the uh, rural Powys, where there isn't a, a, a district general hospital in the, you know, for uh, in, in any uh, in any form within the you know the whole of a, a huge area, and so that means us transporting patients over really significant distances. So that you know in those kind of circumstances, the fewer uh, conveyances we have is is all the better uh, for us as an organisation, but for the health economy, but, but as once again principally for the patient who can remain uh, remain at home and be cared for uh, within a, a more community system. So. What can we do and what are you hoping to do and what have you been trialling in Wales? Tell us a bit about the, the, the projects and plans. So it, it was before my time coming to Wales, I did a brief spell with Health Education England uh, looking at the the role of paramedics working within primary care. And, uh, and that was a really fascinating brief period of time, short as it was. But but it did kind of illustrate to me as to that the, there is a, a, a mutual benefit to be had between primary care and uh, and the ambulance service in the role of the paramedic and 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 it was well understood by a, 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 num a significant number of the primary care clinicians that we spoke to that they fully recognised the benefits of having a paramedic working within their practice was and, and would illustrate on you know uh, on repeated occasions as to uh, 
what the, the, the paramedic brought as a USP uh, compared to maybe other clinicians out there. And and, and that really, as a, as a person that's worked in an ambulance service for you know pretty much all his working life, uh, uh, yeah, kind of gave me two feelings. It, it gave me a feeling that, that, well, this is fantastic for the profession. There's a real opportunity for here for paramedics to grow and diversify in the roles and not simply be working on you know in a frontline ambulance for for all the career but in the same token as well as a as a, a person working within an ambulance service it, it, it scared the bejesus out of me thinking well if all the gp surgeries in the country all decided that they wanted a paramedic uh, then what would that do to the ambulance service and i think it was a case of just looking at the reality is uh, if we work collaboratively on this, if, if uh, both primary care and ambulance services both think, well, how can we do this together? Uh, the opportunity for a mutual gain where the ambulance service manages return some of its if, if its uh, well-educated staff and uh, and also the uh, uh, the primary care get a reliable and well-educated clinician. Uh, then between the two organisations, they can actually work together with a uh, the interest of the patient care, but also developing the staff and ensuring that uh, everybody wins, and and that's where the idea of that rotational uh, model uh, came to uh, to fruition. Really, where where simply uh, the one thing an ambulance service can't provide is the level of supervision and and oversight and and development uh, that uh, a paramedic working in primary care gets. But likewise, in primary care the level of uh, professional leadership and the level of uh, time maintaining those uh, established paramedic core skills, uh, you know, such as attending cardiac arrest and, and critically ill patients, uh, simply isn't there either. Whereas if you combine the two roles together and have that rotation where people will move between those two settings, there's a real opportunity to, uh, uh, to ensure that they're... Uh, Paramedics get a, a, a very broad and fulfilling role where they can work across both both aspects of their clinical delivery and and uh, and benefit and bring and bring benefit to both aspects of of, uh, of of each setting. It makes perfect sense to me actually for the patient um, for the paramedic who's getting um, the the career development and, and for the system as a whole as well and even from an educational point of view i can't can't help but thinking that uh, a paramedic who spent a lot of time in primary care and uh, doing the kind of assessments and referrals you you make in primary care uh, you ought to get um, a, a much more um, considered and um, safe sort of patient assessment and referral when they're working in an ambulance context as well um, you, you learn from one to improve the other uh, I think that's what you're saying. Yeah, well, exa exactly. And, and what's been really fascinating is to been there at the outset as whilst, whilst Wales did have advanced paramedics for quite a number of years before my arrival, uh, being able to be there as part of a, of a group as we started with the pilot in North Wales and, and seeing how those clinicians then went on to develop as they've gone more and more time uh, within the rotation and, and seeing how they've grown as clinicians, the, the expertise that they start to develop, the, the whole different view and, and uh, that they have of uh, how to deliver care is just simply completely, completely different from when it started. And, and it, you know, it, it, it is really, it's heartwarming to see that growth of the individuals and the, and, and the 
difference that they're bringing each and every day. Uh, we've expanded now for just from North Wales, but you know, in, in a number of different areas across, and you see the replication of those those clinicians simply getting better and growing and, and, and becoming more established and working differently, thinking more like you would expect a primary care clinician to do and uh, while still having those core paramedic competencies, but also having an extra dimension to the practice. And it's also given us the ability to really uh, think about how we're going to bring prescribing to life. And, and I, I'll be honest, I don't necessarily think we'd have been able to do that if it wasn't for the ability to rotate into that, uh, into primary care uh, to develop those skills in prescribing and, and you know that's been the next big step for us really to have a, a, a number of prescribers within the organization that's great and really interesting so in a practical perspective in terms of how the pilot actually works um, how many paramedics have you got involved now and what sort of skill level are they on and how do they rotate in and out what's the um, what's the setup so it's ever so slightly different depending on which of the the, the practices we were working at but to, to give you an idea you know within a we'll have uh, built into rosters they will have a certain amount of time where they're working on a response car within uh, within uh, the Welsh Ambulance Service, but then later in that week they might drop onto some night shifts, giving out of hours cover uh, for the out of hour service over in uh, the uh, Howellvar area, sort of the you know west uh, southwest Wales, uh, providing a, a response for those people at the same time. So very much built into the roster, so they get that variety. We've we've kind of gone away from the idea of people having long spells in each of the settings because uh, what you tend to get is that skill they can uh, uh, from being out of a setting for quite some time so once the initial induction and is underway and people are, are content then we, we keep the uh, the rotations relatively short so allow people to keep fresh in both their, uh, of the of the practice areas that they're working but then also supplemented by uh, the one thing i didn't mention before was the rotation into the clinical contact centers where they have a role to play for senior clinical leadership and support and, and tasking of their fellow uh, advanced paramedics whilst working within the control room. I think that's great. I, I, I love it that we've gone into an era where um, you know it's it's not just acceptable, it's even quite desirable to, to phone a friend and, and share a clinical decision and get that level of experience to, to guide you, particularly when you're thinking about leaving someone in the community with all the risk that entails. Yeah, and, and I'll be honest with you, that, that wasn't necessarily the, when we, we knew we did the initial pilot up in North Wales, where we, we planned the idea that they would spend some time working in the clinical contact centre to task their colleagues. The motivation for that wasn't necessarily to, to be there to provide support and guidance to, to other clinicians. The, their principal role was around the, the tasking of their colleagues to make sure that, that they were appropriately tasked. Uh, but that kind of grew organically where uh, uh, other ambulance clinicians would be aware that uh, the uh, advanced paramedic was working within the clinical contact centre and was available to them for advice and would simply uh, pick the phone up and as I said that tended to grow and grow and actually became one of the, the more prominent aspects of the role that we probably look to now as, as being well actually that, that probably needs to be the main focus because we can get bigger banks for book to offer that, that support of that expertise out to other clinicians uh, to be on hand for that kind of, of support and clinical advice and, and and even more so now with as I say with things such as prescribing because that you know uh, medication reviews and, and aspects of medicine medicine interactions 
uh, can be an, uh, an off key aspect of how patients are being managed in the community. So having somebody with that uh, uh, medicines expert, you know, expertise around pharmacology can can be uh, can be very useful. Absolutely, and uh, that's interesting. So you, you set out with one aim, and uh, managed to uh, probably hit hit two uh, as it's grown. Um, so what, what's what's the feedback from the staff like from the rotating paramedics themselves and from the rest of the staff? How, how are they finding it? Uh, well, we, I mean, we've seen an exponential rise. When I when I arrived in Wales about three years ago, we had about maybe about seventeen advanced paramedics, and up until COVID coming along, uh, but the the uh, trajectory would be by summer of this year would have just short of 74 so there has been a huge growth and a real appetite for people to to kind of get into that role uh, 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 and whilst I'm, those plans are still there as obviously that the, the the issues with COVID kind of get in the way a little bit but we'll return to that in due course so you can see there's a real enthusiasm uh, to develop in that way we've we've seen very little if any turnover of, of our paramedics leaving to go into other uh, 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 roles, uh, whereas uh, prior to that we'd seen uh, significant numbers of the advanced paramedics obtaining their relevant education and then deciding uh, to jump ship and go and work directly in primary care, where in that circumstance everybody loses. The, the, we, the, I don't think the paramedic necessarily gets uh, uh, everything they could do uh, if they're just working solely within role. Uh, I don't necessarily think the patient benefits from uh, uh, having a person that uh, doesn't have that broad skill set that you develop in a rotational model. And, and also, the principle of the ambulance service loses because it loses high-quality good members of staff uh, as they leave the organisation, where, as I say, I'd, I'd sooner have somebody for half-time than not have them at all. Yeah, yeah, and it seems if, if, you, if, if, if we all just disappear into primary care one part of the nhs is robbing another and it's not really uh, yeah. helping the, the overall cause <laughs> it is and, and and what i then don't get is that person with all those skills that they're developing in primary care which i can put to very good use in an ambulance service and uh, i don't get there anymore no, no and what's interesting um a year or two ago we, we did a um a conference um in uh reading it was at the time and uh one of the speakers was chatting about the rotating paramedic program um, in the South Central area. Uh, and, and I was fascinated because most of the audience, I think, were people who had jumped ship. They were working totally in primary care. And they, they, quite a few of them said, actually, if this had been available a couple of years ago, we probably wouldn't have left. Um, so I, I, it seems like it's, it's hitting the spot. Well, I, I think for all of us that have, have maybe dabbled outside the ambulance service, uh, you know, when, once you've been there as a paramedic and you've done some of your formative years in ambulance services, there is a certain attraction to working in those organisations. Admittedly, the challenges within the uh, working in the role within the 999 system, I think, uh, is one of the, 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 the pressures that all our clinicians face. And, and I think we need to be cognisant of that. But in the same token, there is there is... The camaraderie, the the, the friendship, the uh, the working uh, environment has a significant amount of benefit, and I think if we can just mitigate that by things such as rotation, I think we'll ultimately we'll we'll keep staff on boarding and keep them uh, uh, mentally agile to be able to uh, to look at a future career right the way through to retirement if at all possible. Sounds excellent. Then. <clears throat> You mentioned COVID, uh, and, and we do need to talk about it a little bit. For anybody 
listening to this um, at some unspecified point in the future. It's the 27th of April uh, 2020. We are several weeks into the response to COVID in the UK. Um, what I'd be particularly interested in, Andy, is, is, is how that's affected uh, the rotating model, how you deployed your advanced paramedics during the pandemic. Uh, it's changed lots of ways of working uh, around the country in different aspects of healthcare, especially in primary care with uh, lots more telephone consultations. So what have your rotating paramedics been up to at this time? So in terms of the rotations between primary care and the ambulance service, those have continued. They still continue as of today uh, with our paramedics being shared between the, the two roles. So that hasn't necessarily changed. And obviously each of the practices that the, the paramedics are rotating, in, rotating into have their own uh, systems of working uh, that, you know, we've, we've simply uh, allowed that to continue. So... Uh, for the rotation element, it, it hasn't uh, specifically changed. Uh, in terms of how we're deploying the uh, advanced paramedics whilst they're working for us, uh, at the moment now, we our crewing guidance has re uh, reduced the number of response cars we have operationally, uh, and principally we, we look to uh, staff ambulances before we staff uh, response cars, uh, with the exception of advanced paramedic response cars. So we've got... Uh, uh, those are still running with the advanced paramedics working, but we've trying to crew them up with uh, other clinicians to help with the doffing and donning of PPE uh, so that they can be adequately protected in those kind of circumstances. Uh, we've also uh, just about to start a pilot to run a, a surgery uh, because what we found is some of our uh, crews for the, uh, our clinicians can't necessarily get appointments with their own GP because of the uh, the changes across the health system at the moment uh, and we want to keep as many people within the workplace as possible uh, so we're about to start piloting we want our prescribing paramedics to run a surgery uh, where they can uh, look at some uh, uh, just general uh, the kind of things people will visit the gp for uh, uh, that they might want to uh, follow up if they can't get a gp's appointment to help them stay in work uh, so that's that one. And then finally, obviously, we do have the changes because most of the universities now closed or they've gone uh, a very much a reduced curriculum with more sessions being taught online. Uh, and, and for those staff that were on full time university uh, with a view to those uh, graduating in summer this year, uh, we've had to scale that back. So they are doing a, a small amount of distance learning for the university, but are uh, still maintaining some of their clinical placements and their uh, uh, operational response with us as in the ambulance service. That's good uh, and, and you know, great to hear that the you know, heart of what you're doing is, is, is the welfare of, of, of the staff, the paramedics, uh, the, the technicians, the, um, the different grades. You know, anything I could say now uh, would be uh, preaching to the converted on that point. We, uh, we, we know that we have to look after ourselves in order to look after our patients. Indeed, indeed, yes. And, and I think the more we can do that, especially in these times where everybody's feeling that little bit more of a stress and pressure, I think the, the, the better, really. So um, I guess just, just one final question really on, on the rotating model from me. I, I'm, I'm fascinated by the different ways this is uh, working its way out around the country. What um, 
tips or advice can you give to um, organisations, uh, ambulance trusts, thinking of either taking on the model or a model for the first time, or looking at their model that they've got and adapting it in different ways? What, what, what do you think have been the great learning points so far? Oh, cracky, where do I start with this one, Gary? Uh, I, I think that the one that immediately springs to mind is, is the education element. Uh, that we've been under consistent pressure from some of the partners of of, uh, of the organisation we've been working for, who necess- don't necessarily have the same uh, understanding around uh, paramedic education, be that pre-reg or post-reg, as to, well, uh, surely paramedics can just drop into primary care and don't necessarily need to have that additional level of education that we've been uh, giving our advanced paramedics. Uh, and we've resisted that at all costs. Uh, because I, I, I'm genuinely of the view that the more you put into the education of the of the people within these programmes, uh, the the better the outcome will be, and the safer the clinician will be, and the better patient care they'll deliver. For me, working in that that kind of role is a is a, a, a at least a level seven education, uh, ideally a master's degree, or, uh, and 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 then as I say, moving on to the to the prescribing. So I think for me the you can't shortcut the education. That would be the principal one for me. Is, is really think about our, uh, all these education programs that have been designed to be delivered in this manner. Are, 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 are designed to take a learner on a on a journey from A to B, uh, and you can't simply uh, uh, cut that down because you will lose uh, elements of the learning, and the, and the the outcome will be will be worse for it. So. I said that my first and foremost advice would be uh, stick with the education, uh, stick to the college's career framework where it has advanced as being uh, master's level education. That really does need to be the focus to ensure you get the best for the clinician uh, and get the best for the patient. The second one would be for me, uh, and, and some of the learning I felt was uh, have a plan, uh, but don't necessarily stick to it. So things will come along the way where you don't envisage or there's a little bit of a bump or you aren't necessarily getting the results you thought you were going to get. And before you kind of ditch the idea and think, no, no, this doesn't work. Well, do you know what? It probably just needs a tweak. It probably just needs some adjustment. It needs a little bit of review or, or it needs to come out from a different angle. So I think it's it's a case of be patient and hang in there. And if, uh, uh, if it isn't delivering what you want, before you scrap it, just give us some real uh, good analysis as to, as to why it is it's not delivering what you thought it was going to deliver and, and, and try other alternatives. Because the reality is for me, I see up and down the country of everybody running pilot after pilot after pilot on this. But the reality is, I, I think we've, we've got more pilots in British Airways at the moment. And, and I think it's just a case that this has been proved in so many different ways, both in, in the work we've been doing, but I see it up and down countries uh, up and down the, the rest of the country and other services, we don't need to pilot it anymore. This is a, this is a method that works. Uh, you just need to find a way that works within your area and works with the partners you'll be working with. And you need to get stuck in and, and just make it happen. Uh, and, 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 and not simply just think, well, we're a little bit different here. Well, we're not really. This is the third ambulance trust I've worked for. And the only difference between the three systems is the accent. Uh, yeah. It's the same job in all three areas, and and and, and so uh, it will work. Uh, you just need the tenacity and the and the forethought and the uh, and the team working together to deliver it. That that flexibility with your plans make makes a lot of sense to me because 
we tend to talk about primary care as if it's um, one big entity, but in fact, mm-hmm. it's lots of different entities, isn't it? And I guess you're going to have to do perhaps slightly different things in different regions. Yeah, it is. But for me, there's an 80-20 rule on that one, that 80% of it is exactly the same, where you've got a 20% for your local variations. And that's the bit that you tweak. You start off with a plan for your 80% and you tweak the 20%. But it doesn't need a pilot. It just needs to get on and be regularly reviewed with a... Uh, uh, opportunities for you to, to, to you know PDSA it as you, as you go along and and, uh, and 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 tweak and alter and improve it as you go uh, uh, it will work and and, the, and your patients will benefit and your staff will see the the benefit and uh, and everybody wins excellent um, and and thanks for the great point about education as well uh, you uh, can't um endorse that enough really that uh, the better prepared we are the better educated we are uh, the more we're going to thrive in these um, varied environments in, indeed and, and i mean one of the things that has been said to me on many times are, uh, i won't necessarily mention by who but it's always been well if we give these people all this education they'll just go and leave uh well yeah but you've got to give them the education and then give them a really good job at the end of it as well and that's the bit for me is is educate the people and give them a role so fulfilling uh, as to why would they ever want to leave and that that has to be the key. Uh, you know our visions for the future in Wales is is uh, to to look at what we can do for not just the advanced paramedics in that setting but also look to the other grades of staff to say well let's give them as much education as we can possibly throw their way and then look how you develop and improve and broaden the role so as they can have more job satisfaction and fulfilment within their day-to-day life so uh, you can retain your good staff and you won't necessarily uh, having to replace them every year as they, as they move on to other things. Fantastic and, and some great career pathways to look at for, for the um, the newer guys coming in from the universities as well it's, 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 it's a great uh, time of opportunity. Um, Andy thank you very very much for your time on this podcast um, I hope maybe we can uh, come back to this um, in a few months or maybe a year's time uh, with uh, the COVID situation having settled into whatever it settles into and uh, talk about some more of your successes. But uh, thanks for joining us. No, it's been a pleasure, Gary, or, uh, and uh, good luck with whichever future podcast you go for the next. But or, uh, it's been a pleasure talking. Thanks, Andy. Bye for now. Thank you. Paramedic Insight Podcast from the College of Paramedics.